Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin now. Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. And hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. What a pleasure it is to be with you today. It's a rainy day here for me, but hopefully the sun is shining for the rest of you, wherever you are in the world. Hey, sometimes we need rain. Um, I wanted to give a shout out before I start the show to Lisa Dickey. Lisa, you might remember, was featured on my show, Mission Unstoppable. Her show was titled How to Live and Die Like a Superhero. Well, today... Yay, Lisa is receiving her last chemo treatment. She has had something like 10. And unfortunately, though, yesterday, Lisa fell and broke her tibia. Now, this is a result of her muscular dystrophy. The chemo and the steroids um, have made her legs weak, and she has about 10% capacity of strength in them. So please join me in sending her love and smiles and prayers for healing and a quick recovery uh, from today's chemo session and for her broken limb. Uh, we love you, Lisa, Matt, Julia, Katie. You know, uh, my other good friend has promised today, she had promised Lisa actually that on the last day of chemo, she would show up at the hospital in a tutu and sit with her. And if you know what she looks like, you would be laughing too. But it's wonderful. And, you know, chemo was tough and it's wonderful that we both share such an amazing friend who's willing to get silly and make her laugh. So I can't wait for those pictures. Margaret, uh, the one thing I do love about Lisa though, uh, was her blog and Lisa really loves to write. And it was through her stories that really showed me who she was as a woman and a wife and a mother and just a woman of great strength of character and someone who has um, just a wonderful wit and sense of humor. And it was because of those blogs that I invited her on the show. And I think this is a really great segue to my first guest, Malaya Kukulani, because she is also someone who is passionate about writing. Malaka hails from Pakistan by way of Melbourne, Australia today. She's a 16-year-old grade 12 student who says she's a passionate fan of the written word. She seems like a normal teenager. She likes to read. Uh, she loves photography, eating, playing badminton, watching cricket. Um, she loves traveling with her family, and she thinks that's fun. Well, that might not be so normal. Uh, <laughs> but her family includes a twin brother, two other siblings, an older sister, and a younger sister, and, of course, her parents. Welcome, Malika. It's 3 a.m. for you people, so it's for her. So, you know, be kind. <laughs> How are you? Hi, Frankie. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be compared to people such as Lisa. I mean, seriously, I haven't even done anything that great. Well, you know what? really got me about you was just how passionate you are about what you're doing, how you, you know, you weren't going to take no for an answer. You're very determined to get your, your book out there, to get your message out there. And I think that's really extraordinary for such a young person. I, you know, I admire you. I really do. Thank you. Where does it come from, Malika? Where does this passion to write and to, to give a message, such a beautiful message to the world? I mean, let's tell folks your book is called, and it's published now and it is, it's called, um, what is your book called? I just lost it. <laughs> Untold, <laughs> Untold Journeys. Journeys. That's right. Untold yeah. Journeys. And it's a book of poems. And it's it's really a real slice of life. Um, I mean, it, there's everything in there. 
you know, from from love to broken love to just, you know, how you feel about your parents and your dad. And it's really nice. I mean, I read that poem about your dad and I thought I started to cry. Cause I go, oh, that's how I feel about my dad. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. He's just like the best. So, you know, how did it start? Where did it come from this idea that, you know, and it's interesting because I just finished an anthology with 20 other women and our book was called I Beard My Chest. And it was all about the untold stories too, that we hold back from, you know, showing people about ourselves and, you know, there are lessons for life for people who are going to read it. So it's interesting. There's a little bit of a parallel there. Um, the thing is I started writing in year eight. It was because of a school project it was for the same thing as a peer counselor and I wanted people to get their stories out there. People who weren't, um, you know, who felt like they didn't have a voice that was big enough to, yeah. So I just decided to project their voices. Now, when you say present their voices, you're talking about the stories, the untold stories that they hold. I mean, you, you start off the description of your book um, says, you know, you know, everybody has a chapter in their in their life that they don't read out loud and that you look at people and you think that they're prettier and more graceful than you, that they look happy and successful and carefree. But by looking at people, we don't really know who they are. Like they, everybody kind of wears a mask and walks around the world with a persona that might not actually be the real them. And so you're looking beyond, beyond that. Is that kind of where it's, it is yeah, for you? It's like you're looking sort at of like, going, um, like people act like they're perfect but when you come to know them those people who you you're like oh you know that person's so perfect I want to be like them when you actually get to know them you realize that they're not perfect and they have problems as well they just don't show them and those problems might be similar to yours right and and so by telling other people's problems um the, the reader gets to see that they're not alone they're not yeah. unlike other people yeah. what was what do you have your book handy Yes, I do. Good. Um, so what, what's your favorite poem? Um, it's like favorite, like, it's just like picking a favorite child. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, would like, I'd like to invite you to, I know that you're sick, um, but if you wouldn't mind, could, could you read a, a couple for us? I'd like to, uh, I mean, I could read them, but I think it's in your voice. It's a little bit. Um, <laughs> that voice sounds bit nice. weird right now. Um, okay. Yeah, sure. I can read one. Um, um, I'm reading the one that's called There Are Bonds. Mm-hmm. So there are bonds that break. There are bonds that are fake. There are bonds that rust. There are bonds that turn to dust. The funny thing is we don't even have a say to which bonds would stay. Wow. So where did that one come from? It actually... <clears throat> so basically, I had like this friend and she had... So basically, so, okay, so I've moved schools, but um, I had a friend who was really, really close. Like, she had this really, really close friends. They were friends since, like, they were kids. Right. But then, I don't know, some, like, argument or something happened. And so, like, uh, like I remember she would be like, oh, you know, my friend and I were, like, perfect. Nothing can, can break, break us, us and stuff. Yeah. But then... Uh, yeah, then I remember they had this argument, and she's crying, and she's like, oh, you know, it doesn't matter how long you've known a person, and, like, you know, silly things can... So it was basically from that. Okay. Now, there's there's um, quite a few in there about boys. Is this your own life, or other girls that told you stories? <laughs> other girls. I stay away <laughs> from that thing. 
You do. High school is enough trouble by itself. I don't need more. Now, your family moved to Australia from Pakistan in 2012. Well, what what caused you guys to move? And are you staying? Are you going to stay there now through graduation? And oh yeah, so uh, mom and dad wanted like better education for us. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, if you study in Australia, the degree counts everywhere. So yeah, they wanted a better education for us. So where's where I think we're going to stay? Oh, nice. Yeah. And and so did I think I read somewhere that you're looking to become a doctor or work in the medical yeah. field? Yeah. What what specialty are you looking at? I was looking at forensic psychiatry. It's a lot of study, but it's worth it. Okay. Um, here's a here's a poem that I I wanted to read. Feel the pain. You don't have to feel the pain ever again. Forget about all those attempts that went in vain. Instead, go dance in the rain. Let your clothes get dirty. Let the mud leave a stain. Go for a quiet long walks. Dance around in your socks as every day or any day might be your last day. You don't know if you'll see tomorrow's sun. It wouldn't matter if you weren't done. Wouldn't matter if you missed your run. Wouldn't matter if you see life in color or in black. At once you are gone, there is no coming back. Now, what was that about? Who was that Uh, for? That was for basically um, when I, we had these really, really close family friends that I had known since I was 10 months old. Mm-hmm. and they had a son who was like six years older than us or something so around like I think the year before last year so in 2015 I hadn't seen him in like 10 years and in 2016 we got a call he was in America and they told us that he had an accident and he passed away oh I'm sorry yes yeah, so, so it was it was for that okay so why is it so important to you to you know, to get this book, like, I mean, it's published, you're, you're in Melbourne, like, where do you want it? Everywhere? No, I mean, having it everywhere would be like, too much. And I don't want that right now. <laughs> but you're, you know, you're, 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 you're really pushing. And I think it's great. Like I said, you're very passionate. And I know that I'm not the only person that you've reached out to, to, you know, get on a show and get your book out there. So what is your goal for that? Like, what do you hope to, in the end? Um, I think in the end, whatever happens is good enough. At least I'll know I tried my best, and I think that's what matters. Absolutely. And what do your parents think about you waking uh, up at 3 a.m. Um, to be on a radio show? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my mom and dad, they, well, they feel amazing, and they, they were like, you know, you should definitely do it and don't let up. Like, this is, they're the reason the book is here, because they didn't let me pass up the opportunity. They're like, it's here, so take it, Malika. Wow. They yeah, sound like very special is folks. Sleeping right now. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, you know, it sounds like you have a really terrific family and a, and a really close family. What's your, I have, I have twins, boy and a girl too. So tell me about your brother. What's, what's he like? Is he like you at all? We have some things that are really, really like super similar, which is really creepy. Um, I remember <laughs> yesterday I was talking to a friend. She wanted to watch it. Like I wanted her to watch this TV show Riverdale with me. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I can't. I was like, why? She's like, because you skip too much. And I was like, okay. And she's like, you're not normal. And then she was talking to my brother and she realized he skips a lot too. She's like, <laughs> what is wrong with you guys? I was like, it's a twin thing. Yeah. Do you guys feel like you have a twin thing? 
we we're weird. Like um, we have uh, in year twelve in Australia, we have jackets. Mm-hmm. So the jackets have our names, like a nickname at the back. So I am Scooby Doo, and he's Shaggy. Oh, I love it. I love it. We are going to go to a commercial break. And when we come back, we're going to meet um, my other guest. And you're going to love her. She is an animal activist. And she's just uh, absolutely an incredible woman. So stay tuned for Bobby Brink coming up right after this break. Don't go anywhere because we're coming right back. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginhead.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the million-dollar mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. Tune into the million-dollar mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction Power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. It's Harvey McKay, author of the best-selling book, Use Your Head to Get Your Foot in the Door, includes job search secrets no one else will tell you. Harvey is a true ideal praxist. That's a person who puts ideas into practice. Harvey admits landing the right job can be more difficult than the job itself. And successful people can't have ponophobia. That's the fear of work. But in these economic times, it can be a necessity to make money any way you can. What's a word for using any means to make money? Cuomo de Kunquais. So what's the best job to have? Will Rogers once said, the best job in the country is the vice president. All he has to do is get up every day and ask, how is the president? It's words you never I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my new app, Too Funny for Words. And welcome back to Frankie Sins and More. Thanks for joining us, and thanks for coming back. I have another amazing guest. Bobby Brink is somebody that I have come to deeply admire. She doesn't know it, but I do. She's an animal activist. She's the founder, director, and vice president of Lions, Tigers, and Bears, a sanctuary that she created to provide refuge and a safe haven for a variety of rescued exotic animals. In 1992, Bobby Brink took a job working with a Texas breeder and an exhibitor of tigers and lions, and that turned into a nightmare. After being witness to horrible abuse firsthand, uh, the neglect and the, in, that is inflicted on these captive natives, Bobby vowed to make a difference and to end the cycle of their indiscriminate breeding for profit. She founded Lions, Tigers, and Bears in 2002 in Alpine, California. It's a 93-acre sanctuary that she started when she stepped up and rescued two endangered Bengal tigers. And we'll talk about that uh, from a neighbor who had um, 
who was just, you know, abusing them and, and had neglected them. And since then, Bobby has taken an active role in advancing legislation to protect to protect captive exotic animals. And she works on behalf of the federal legislation, uh, meeting with its congressional sponsors, both in California and in Washington, D.C. Admirable, to say the least. Welcome, Bobby. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I'm going to be honest. Uh, I do a lot of shows around animals, and I was a little bit hesitant to have you on the show when um, your your publicist reached out. You know, I don't like to promote people, even those with good intentions, uh, if I feel like they're using animals inappropriately. So I reached out to my friend Rob Laidlaw from Zoocheck, and he looked into into your organization. He goes, Frankie, like they're amazing. They have all the accreditation. They're doing everything the right way. Feel free, and you know. Bless them. <laughs> have them on the show. So I well, think that's good to hear. It is good to hear. You know what? It's it's always good when people in your industry look at you and go, Yeah, you know what? You're okay, babe. So <laughs> good on you. So maybe it's a good place to start. Can you educate us on the difference between an accredited uh, sanctuary and a non accredited sanctuary? Right. There a lot of times in our country people don't know exotic animal trade, second to drugs and weapons, right up there with human trafficking. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. So people are just making a ton of money profiting off the exotic animal trade. So they'll do things like front as a sanctuary. So there's over 200 so-called sanctuaries in our country where we've actually, yeah, where we've actually only got about 12 accredited big cat and four accredited bear sanctuaries. So, you know, accreditation, there's two accreditations that accredit big cats and bears in our country. It's Global Federal Association of Sanctuaries and the American Sanctuary Association. We're accredited by both. It's the highest standard of accreditation that a sanctuary can get. And then, of course, the VBB, which is the Better Business Bureau charity. Sure. So what it is, is it's a peer review, and they pretty much go through everything, your financials, your safety, your training, your how you treat your employees, you know, how your animals are treated, and that you're actually being a true sanctuary. Because there's four rules. A true sanctuary will never buy, they'll never breed, they'll never sell, and they'll never trade animals. Right. So the other 188 are like the puppy mills of sanctuaries? Is that exactly <laughs> something like similar at the zoos and petting zoos and things like that? Well, they're exactly, and they're trying to, you know, get money from the public by saying they're a sanctuary, but, you know, right. they're breeding and then they'll have the babies to do the photo ops, which is really big in our country. Sure. And then, you know, animals are going out the back door. So the public is being fooled wow. into, giving them, into giving them money. Like, There's how are they one... actually bringing, like, lions and tigers into the country? Like, how is, is, is the... I thought they... there was a law against that alone. I know, like, There's with parrots so many... and things there are. Like... They, they don't bring them into the country. There's so many captive big cats, but the most all of them are bred here. Okay. So, like, perfect example, there's more tigers in the state of Texas than there are in the wild. And there's more big cats in Florida than any other place in the world. Wow. So, and there's hundreds of them, you know, that could use a new home and that are living just in deplorable conditions. There's no real federal standards across the board that people are held accountable for. Can you, can you take us back to that first job that you had where you saw that neglect? Like what? What were you? Right. Plan- what was the job? What were you going to do? What, you're all excited. Well, I was opening a restaurant. <laughs> oh, okay. And I was looking in through the classified ad, and I kept seeing, you know, looking for restaurant equipment. I see lions, tigers, leopards for sale in, in the state of Texas. 
Uh-huh. And uh, so I wanted to go check it out, so I did. And I went to a lady's house, and she had babies crawling all over her mobile home floor. She lived on five acres. She had about 30 big cats, all being, you know, all breeders. And you could take one home today. So that grabbed my attention. And, you know, no permit, no questions asked. And wow. then I just started looking How much does she charge? Further. I believe, you know, about $800. So, so you can get a, a tiger... Yeah, for cheaper than a good bred dog. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. And started as it grew up, a, a bear like these guy. Were... Wow. So you looked at this and, and you thought, okay, I got to stop this. Is that what went through your no, head? No, I, did. I didn't know anything was wrong, you know, other than that anybody could take one home today. So I started volunteering for her. I started volunteering for a guy that had bears and I went about my business getting my restaurant open. And mm-hmm. then for, you know, years I would work at different places or volunteer at different places and you really see the exotic animal trade. And then my husband and I tried to help some leopards and we had made a deal with a woman that we would completely build the leopards a habitat if she would spay and neuter and never breed and that would be where they would live out their lifetime home. Well, we didn't even get the habitat all the way completed and we had just put the cats into the habitat and then they were bred so that kind of did it we're like okay we're gonna just do this ourselves we're gonna do it right we're gonna do it one animal at a time and now we're one of the top 10 sanctuaries in the country we work all over the country you know with our first responders are scared of these animals sometimes they're not trained to go in and get a tiger out so that's where we can help right uh, we yeah, because it's, da- it's dangerous and it can be scary. And I've even seen them on top of drugs or, you know, being used so people don't go into a certain area of the property and, you know, different things like that. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, there was one just killed the other day in a neighborhood um, about an hour from me. And, it, I mean, it's just a very suburban neighborhood. Black Bear w- wandered in and, I guess, you know, again, first responders didn't know what to do. So I guess the first thing they did instead of getting, you know, there wasn't a vet around who had anything to you know sedate him with and, I, and they shot and killed it i mean it's very sad oh gosh yeah I uh, and, you know it breaks my heart yeah. but you know if they had had somebody nearby like like you or you know some expert to say hey you know like i don't know why they didn't go to the zoo but anyway um you know it, it's dangerous right like you said they're they're not pets they're 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 animals they're wild animals even if they've been they in really a zoo and even if they're part of an act you know they can they they're wild animals so and, and, in, in you know, your they, facility, they, go ahead, sorry. They can't be tamed. You know, they can be trained, but they cannot be tamed. These animals mm-hmm. are top of the line, apex predator. They can kill you. If your neighbor has a tiger as a pet, it, it can be dangerous if it's not done mm-hmm. properly. Right. And and you have a big rig that goes all around the country, and you're you're picking up and moving and saving animals. Like, I think that's pretty incredible. Um, right. Like, what's the, what's the most amazing, let's say, pickup that you've done? Oh, gosh. We've done so many, from getting them out of basements and garages. And the last rescue we moved on worked on was in South Dakota, and they had over 400 animals. We moved over 200 of them across the country. Oh, my you know, to goodness. to different places as far as Florida. Because when you have that many animals, not one sanctuary take all the animals that's right because you know a big cat's gonna live 20 years a bear's gonna live 30 years Mm -hmm. so as a sanctuary you've got to you know know that you're going to provide for that animal and provide for it properly for the rest of its 
that animal's life. So, so people listening might, might be thinking, Bobby, why don't you put the bear back in, you know, the woods in Oregon right. or something? Like That's a really good question because no animal will go to a sanctuary that can be re-released back into the wild. And most okay. all of these animals have been bottle-fed. They're all captive-bred, and they can't go back into the wild, unfortunately. A lot declawed? A lot declawed, which is super sad. And, you know, we... We do have a little, uh, sometimes a surgery that we can do that helps relieve the pain, but it doesn't always work. And it's five to seven thousand costs us five to seven thousand dollars each time we do the surgery, and we have to drive the animal, which can be a little bit stressful. And it's like about a three or four, you know, day ordeal with the recovery and everything for them. So it's not easy on them, especially if they're, you know, already being moved across the country. So we're just so after the declawed has happened, it, it still hurts them? Oh, yeah. They go on to get more and more pain as they get older. And oh. Matter of fact, one of the leopards we brought down from South Dakota couldn't even put weight on her front feet. And we've done two surgeries on her now, and she can actually put complete weight on her front feet, but you can still tell, even with a little bit of pain medicine every day, she's still hurting. So it's and so is it the same? Cruelty. I mean, take it right down to the, your, your basic house cat. Is it the same thing for them? It's the same thing, and cats try not to show pain. And, oh. and, you know, it's just very proven all the damage that you do to your, even your little house cat by declawing. So please don't declaw your cat. Yeah, please don't please. declaw your cat. We don't want them in pain. That's horrible. I mean, if you don't want people wrecking your furniture, don't get a cat. <laughs> I mean, that's just the bottom exactly. line there, I would think. Yeah. <laughs> wow, thank you for that. That's really interesting. Them. I didn't know that. Uh, you know, I had no idea about that. Did you know about that, Malika? Nope. Do you have any pets? Yeah. Uh, we had two birds, but um, one died and the other flew away. So currently petless. Petless. Okay. Petless. You know, I always think of that 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 tiger from Life of Pi, which was just absolutely beautiful photography. But you know that representation. I mean, they're they're stunning animals, and uh, I'm just so happy that they have a home with you and and yeah. other other folks who are accredited. Make sure if you're going to go pay money to see something, and um, in most places don't um you know don't give money I to love somebody the who's... end of the movie the life of pie when the tiger gets off the boat and never looks back yeah yeah just goes to show you they're yes. wild animals they're wild and you know what their their thought is not beyond is beyond their next meal not <laughs> loving you so uh that's about it when we're going to go to a commercial break in about a minute but there's so much more to talk to you about with these animals and and all of the challenges that you have uh the people who volunteer with you and work with you i want to know all about that i'm sure everybody listening does too if you want to call us you can it's 903-787-5887 903-787-5887 if you want to talk to bobby or malika you can give us a call no worries there uh we'd like to hear from you um you have more animals that live with you other than lions, tigers, and bears. You have a whole menagerie. So we'll talk about those as well. Do you have a personal pet? I do. I have three cats, Macy, Munch, and Max. They live in in my house with my husband, Mark. Okay, nice. Okay, we're going to go <laughs> commercial break. <laughs> when we come back, Macy, Munch, and what was the last one? March. Max. Max. Okay, there we go. Don't go anywhere. We're coming Those right back. two boys. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. It's words you never heard. 
airplanes first began carrying passengers, everyone was treated to first-class accommodations. Caviar and sandwiches were presented on porcelain plates with beverages served in crystal. Flying was truly a special event as passengers wore suits and evening dresses. What do you call a person who is afraid to fly? An aeroacrophobic. The airlines required stewardesses to be unmarried, and many were nurses as well. To be a pilot was respected and revered. What do you call a person who chooses a career based on the glamorous image it conveys? A modoc. A typical flight in those days from London to Singapore would cost over $17,000 today and take eight days. What's another word for jet lag? Dysrhythmia. It's marching day. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. If strengthening your muscles is your primary goal, is it better to do yoga or Pilates? The New York Times reported that the answer depends mainly on what you are trying to strengthen. Studies show that Pilates is an effective method to fortify the muscles of the abdominal wall. They question whether it strengthens the rest of the body, though. However, they state that yoga, with its fluid poses, may strengthen larger sections of the body. A study published in the Asian Journal of Sports Medicine found that after six months of almost daily yoga sun salutations and no other resistance training, the participants could bench press significantly more weight and complete more push-ups and pull-ups than at the beginning of the study. They state that yoga is the winner. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And we're back as Frankie Sensenmori. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. We're here with my guest, Malaika Galani. Remember, she wrote the book, Untold Journeys. And talking to Bobby Brink, she has she founded Lions, Tigers, and Bears. And I just love that name. <laughs> that inspires a poem, for sure, or a song or a whole bunch of stuff. Um, we were just talking about, folks, if you have a house cat, even, please do not declaw it. They have pain, residual pain that lasts and becomes worse over years. So that was something I didn't know. I don't have cats, but I didn't know that. And it makes me very sad to think that, you know, people have done that to an animal not deserving. So hopefully that practice will stop. And I don't understand why vets do it. Like, don't they tell people that this is going to hurt? Well, I don't think a lot of them know the long-term, you know, consequences after the cat is declawed. And there's actually um, a wonderful vet. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Conrad, and she just goes around and to like vet conferences and um, seminars and try to educate the vets on what happens. And we are trying to actually get the vets to know that we don't want to declaw small cats either and why. Okay. All right. She is actually the vet that helps me do the big cat uh, surgery on the big cat's feet. Same vet. Okay. So what do they do? Like what, what can they like release some tension or what is it that they would do? Pretty much like they go in and, clip off and clean up a little bit because it cannot be fixed because it's like cutting off the, you know, at the knuckle. It'd be like cutting cutting your finger off the, behind your finger. Right. It's very painful. Right. So it, it can't, oh. you know, it can't be fixed, but at least sometimes we can release the pain. Yeah. So and sad. every time we do a surgery, 50-50 chance, you know. And, and it's, a lot of people think cats can't be trained, house cats. They can. So if you have a cat that's scratching up something, if you really work with that animal, you can get them to stop scratching something. 
Yeah. What, um, how much do, does the average cat weigh like your, your tigers? Let's say. Um, it depends on the species. It can range. Like we have a leopard that weighs 90 pounds and we have a lion that weighs 610 pounds. Oh, wow. Uh, or I think our That's a lot of anesthetic. That's a lot of anesthetic. They're big animals. We have a bear that weighs 700. So, it, you know, it yeah. kind of depends. And we rescue so, everything. We have lions, tigers, bears, leopards, serval, bobcat, miniature horse, horses, miniature donkey, macaw, goat, sheep, llama. You know, so we, we we focus on the lions, tigers, and bears, but we love all sure. animals. Yeah, yeah. I've I've got I've got eight donkeys I sponsor. I think <laughs> poor the poor donkeys. They 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 get abused really really badly too with their hooves, and you know people forget to clip them, and then they become hobbled. And um, I mean, every species has something, so we have to look out for them all. But with with you know specifically what you've got, I mean, you've got very dangerous exotic animals. And how do you, how, how do you keep safety? Like, what's your safety plan in place well, for we volunteers? Safety, or... We just we just had one this morning. We have safety meetings every Thursday, and then you know we we have practices on different days and plans. And the fire department comes out, and you know they have us mapped, and we practice at least twice a year and this year we're doing a little bit more because it's so fire crazy here right now and yeah. you know we just do different things to you know and we make games out of it and we just do whatever we can to constantly be talking about safety and we work in the buddy system it's like one person will you know move an animal from the habitat into what we call the bedroom so we can lock them up and then they're safely locked in the bedroom and we can enter the habitat with no animals. So like one person will do that. The other person will follow behind and check the locks and, you know, double check everything. So it's just double check, double check, double check. You know, it just can't be too yeah. safe. Yeah. And where did the, where did the practice, um, you know, come from? Like your good practices. Did, was there um, other facilities oh, gosh, that you learned to, from? Or? Exactly. And when I first started with the lady I started with, we started off in the cages with all the animals. Very dangerous. Mm. And I'm I'm very fortunate to have not gotten hurt. But um, it can be done both ways. My way is safer. Sure. <laughs> we call yeah. it protective I mean, contact. Have you ever had an always... accident on site? No. No, we have not. Not but we're, you know, Thank God. Safety, super safety conscious and you know, always talking about things, and every Thursday morning, you know, we cover a safety topic, and, and we always have a piece of chain link or fencing between us and the animal, unless the animal is actually sedated, laying on a vet table. Always. Sure. And how yeah. many? How many? You've got ninety-three acres. How many um, people actually are on site every day? Well, I have thirteen staff, and um, six of them are keepers and and mm -hmm. ground crew, and. Then there's always there's four people who live on site. Actually, there's five people who live on site, and there's always somebody on the property 24 hours a day. And you have a vet on call, or who's, who's there every day? We have nine. We have nine different vets that we work with. So, like, we have a, you even have a skin doctor and a dentist, and you know, wow. our our head vet is Dr. Jane Meyer and Dr. Lee Young, and that's who we work with for our vets. We've got a little surgery center on site. Oh, that's awesome! Wow. So mm -hmm. you know, it must cost a fortune. My, you it's know, expensive. It's about cheap, right? Building the habitats, I think, is the most expensive expense, and then our highest bill, of course, is electricity because all the pools have to pump and the freezers, and you know everything has to pump. And then um, it's about ten thousand dollars a year to feed one tiger, or one bear, just for food. 
that's just food. Now I, I noticed on your food. website that for the for the cats, um, you've thrown in like a chicken carcass, or what else do you feed them? Um, we feed uh, we rotate meat so they don't get bored. So uh-huh. we feed rabbit, duck, beef, uh, pork, chicken, elk, buffalo. They pretty much eat any kind of raw meat. Now, is it frozen or do you defrost it? We do. We do usually freeze it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because it's important that they have those bones and and all of that for exactly. Taurine, yeah, for super deep. important and calcium. Yeah. Now and I noticed there's a trend here lately. Um, like, I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of kangaroo um, coming for, a lot of dogs have allergies and they're, they're switching up with kangaroo now to help with those allergies. Have you, have you had anything like that on your premises? No, I, I don't know much about that for the big cats. I just haven't heard that yet. Yeah. It's interesting. Um, hmm. You know, I, I guess along with everything else, animals all have allergies too. I, my dog's allergic to cheese and pork. So, you know, you learn it by just seeing what their body does after they eat it. So it's kind of interesting. Um, and, and so the cats will eat that. What do you feed your bears? Uh, they eat what we should eat. They eat raw fruits, raw vegetables, cooked meats, raw fish, raw nuts, dates, things like that. Avocado. They love avocados. Oh, do they? That's so sweet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. and um, so how much would – now, do your bears hibernate at all? I do have uh, two bears that try to hibernate. They go up in the culverts and on the hill in their den, but they get up and eat, so they don't truly hibernate here. Okay. Is it because of the weather because it's hot? Or? With snow. Well, our ground's not covered with snow, so they always have access to food. They can always, yeah. you know, go out and eat the grass or just go out and graze. Sure. Yeah. Um, interesting. <laughs> so what are, what, are, what are some of your biggest challenges? I mean, it's 10,000 per animal to feed. Uh, the, the facility itself to put it together um, must have cost a fortune beyond the land itself. All the fencing right. and, uh, you know, your surgery and just all of those, you know, different, different habitats for everybody. Um, where does the money come from? Well, fundraising is always our hugest uh, challenge. And we have, like, we just had our biggest gala here last weekend. So that'll raise a couple months operating costs. And we do mailings and we do um, a lot of e-blast emails and Facebook and tabling out in the community. We have events out here, um, you know, just little regular things that people can pay to come to. And then we have our educational visits, which are about two hours. We have six of them a week, and they're about two hours each, and that helps to raise a lot of our operating costs. So we just do everything we can to fundraise, 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 and it it really works. So what what would you need in a month, though, let's say operating costs? I don't want to get into nitty-gritty with you. I'm just really curious, like, you know, for people who go, should I give them money? You know, what do you need? Well, our operating costs are about 75000 a month. How much? And then... Seventy-five thousand a month. Wow, that's a lot of moolah. It's a lot because we have a lot of animals and a lot. Yeah. Of animals, so that each animal has to have their keepers who care for them and their food and all their supplements and all their medical care for and, twenty to you know, thirty feed. years. 
Right. If we do one surgery within a month, that's usually about $5,000 that we'll spend on medical for, you know, whichever other animals we work on in that same day, too. Do you have a corporate benefactor or a few of them? <laughs> we have, well, we actually have, you know, a lot of really nice donors, but believe it or not, our funds come from the people who send in and it just adds up. $50, yeah. $100, $200, and they send in their donation every month or as we send out mailings and appeals, and it adds up and it works. So it just shows when you give a little, it can go a long ways because those little donations, they really do add up to make yeah. what we're doing work. Even when we yeah. go across the country and we put out an appeal, it costs us a little over $3 a mile to do what we do. So sometimes we just write it like that. How many miles can you give? Can you give 20 you know, 20 miles times three, right. you know, or whatever, or whatever. And it it adds up and it works. That's awesome. So like when That's people amazing. think they can't really do much, you know, helping us share our posts on Facebook is huge. Does that just And let, do you get money you know, from overseas as well, or just local, more a, North America? Sometimes a little bit, but most of our donors are from the United States. Yeah. Okay. We got That's some, really... especially like when we brought uh, Fivos, the tiger over from Greece. Mm -hmm. um, when he came, we got some Greece donations, and we do get some international donations on Facebook. But and that's so a huge way of people are that animal people lovers. The best thing you do for you is, is to share. And yeah, exactly. Just get on our Facebook, like and share, like and share, and share. And that, you know, that just helps more people who can help know about us. And what's the most popular item um, in your store, let's say, for people to purchase? Usually T-shirts, or we call them bling shirts, like the women's have the bling on the front. Mm -hmm. I think that's honestly what we sell the most of. <laughs> that's awesome. I love it. I love it. And, but you also sell you sell mugs and you sell pictures of um, the animals. I want to get back to, to talk stuff. about that we when have... we come back from our break. We've got a minute before we go to break. Okay. Yeah, we have all kinds of stuff. Coffee cups, mugs, lions, tigers, and bears, coffee. We're working on getting wine with our label t-shirts jackets you know stickers yeah. little yeah all kinds of stuff magnets malaika does would you like something like that would you buy something like that to help the lions tigers and bears i would yeah <laughs> except for way too much they don't even do anything yeah yeah that's right Okay, folks, well, we are going to go to a commercial break. It's Frankie Sensamori. I'm your host, Frankie Picasso. Bobby um, is with us and Malaika is with us. And when we come back, you're going to be with us too. Don't go anywhere because we will be back. You can join us, 903-585-7887. Heck no, we're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. I managed to run out of coffee again this morning. I didn't even have enough to make one cup. Boy, was that a miscabobble or big mistake. Because I make serious coffee so strong it wakes up the neighbors. Now, I don't have a problem with caffeine. I have a problem without caffeine. I get wadgety and brickety. Did you know apples are more efficient than coffee for keeping people awake in the morning? Unfortunately, I didn't have any apples either. Acorns were used as a coffee substitute during the American Civil War. Without my hot cup of coffee in the morning, I'm feeling pretty squirrely myself. What do you call that piece of cardboard that wraps around your coffee cup to keep from burning your hand? A zarf. 
Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. Turkey breast, fish, cheese, beans, and eggs are packed with protein. And protein rich foods digest slowly and have a mild impact on your blood sugar levels. A New England Journal of Medicine study looked at a variety of eating plans and discovered that eating a diet high in protein and low in refined starches was the most effective for weight loss. Protein helps in two ways. First, you burn more calories to digest it. Second, because your body has to work harder to digest a protein than a carb, you stay fuller longer. In a recent European study, people who ate moderately high levels of protein were twice as likely to lose weight and keep it off as those who didn't eat much protein. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Visit our Facebook fan page at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. And we're back. It's Frankie Sent some more. We're going to say goodbye to Malaika. She was, as I said, it was 3 a.m. for her in Melbourne, Australia, and she was a little under the weather today. So we sent her back to bed with our good wishes and our great thanks for coming on the show with her book, Untold Journeys. Please go and find her book and, and do what you can to support her. We're here sitting here with Bobby Brink, though, and we're still talking about lions, tigers, and bears in her sanctuary and what the rest of us can do to help. Um, endangered species, you know, the exotic animal trade, and especially um, those that, that Bobby cares for. And just before break, or while we were on break, we, we spoke um, a moment about what you can do to, you know, if you see somebody who is abusing an animal, Bobby really would love for you to call her. So Bobby, tell us, you know, what you mean when you say abuse, like how far? Well, if, let, let's say, you know, someone who has a tiger in their backyard or You've frequented a roadside zoo as you're on vacation or you're traveling and, you know, the animal's just not living in the proper conditions. You could just call us and we can, you know, check it out and try to help you to get that animal out of there or, you know, do what's best for the animal. A lot of times people don't know how to help. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment, because let's say I am at a roadside zoo or a little zoo and I'm looking at the animal going, you know what, this this animal is way too skinny or way too whatever. What can you do, Bobby? You know, like, how are you going to remove that animal legally or like how would what, what are the steps? Well, that's the hard part. A lot of times they are following the laws, even though it, it doesn't look good. They are following the laws. So each particular case is different, but one thing I can tell people is, you know, if they're doing the photo ops where you can have your picture taken with a baby animal, there's really not one legitimate place in this country that does that. So a lot of those animals are just bred for nothing more than profit and to be used to have their pictures taken. And they'll tell you they're a sanctuary or they'll tell you it's for conservation or they'll tell you that they have a place where the animal is going to go when it gets too old because legally they can only use that animal till it's 12 weeks old and then they have to oh. replace it with another one to keep their business going. So I'm sure, sure you can imagine the turnover of babies. Yeah. And this is, you know, what I believe probably fuels the exotic animal trade. And, the, and so, a lot of the unnecessary breeding. Was it, why, okay, money, like you said, it was, you know, hugely profitable. Right. Uh, but what do people do with those animals? Like, do they just let them die in their care? Like, is it is that really what they do? Like, mounds and mounds of dead animals? Or, you know, what else do they do? They sell them for, for food? 
Like, what do they do with these exotic animals? It's a really good question because there's not good enough federal tracking. There's no federal tracking to tell how many of these animals these people have actually had and how many have turned over and how many have gone through their hands. And that's the really sad, you know, part. Even if you are federally licensed to exhibit to the public, you're only going to get an inspection once a year. So, you know, you can breed a tiger in 105 days. So you can have quite a few turnover animals that nobody would even know about or know where they go. How many cubs would she have? Two? Um, max, would who, who? A oh, tiger? one to four. One to four. One, one to four. Yeah, so two to three average, yeah. Wow. So it's a lot. I've been yep. to places where they're doing cub petting and they have 20 babies. Oh. It's sad. So sad. And they're like, this is fundraising for the rest? It's just It's just a way for them to make money. You know, yeah. babies sell tickets. That's why you see babies at zoos and Sure. The babies sell the tickets, and as they get to be adults, you know, they'll live 20 years. Yeah. And that it wears off, and they start to run out of money, and they get desperate. So they just continue to breed and continue to try doing the photo op. So please, please don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah, don't do it. When when people, you know, if they want to visit your sanctuary, I think you have um, uh, one of the fundraising items is that, you know, they can pay a certain amount, and then they can come and visit. Right. Is that... Yeah. And um, we do it so, during feeding time, and the animals are fed like a weight diet. And it takes about two hours, and you go around with the keeper, and, um, you know, just the keeper will tell you all about the animal and what we do, and you know, time to ask questions and just the opportunity to enjoy the animals and enjoy our property because it really is very beautiful here. What do your neighbors think about having a sanctuary? Well, I don't really have any neighbors. I'm a almost three-side forest. And oh, then the okay. front neighbors, I bought the property from their family. So, you know, our closest neighbors, probably a couple hundred acres away at least. Okay. At least. So yeah. A little bit of a I safety zone any... if something happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty rural out where we live. It's very rural. It's beautiful. I looked at the pictures of the town and, and the land around there. It really is beautiful. We love it here. The weather's yeah. perfect. Sandy You're very fortunate. Weather. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, where's the most money in the exotic trade? Is it with the cats? I think, I believe the body parts and selling the animals, but I uh, honestly don't, don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know the and bears you know, and I know that I, I spoke to you about Rob Laidlaw at the beginning of the show that he was the one who said, yeah, you're accredited. Cause I know he's done a lot of work in China with the bears that are tied up and trying to release them and, and all that kind of crappy stuff that, that they do over there, um, you know, with, you know, thinking that it provides sexual energy or all of that, you know, crazy stuff, health, good health, tonics, um, animal parts. Uh, Take very, very sad. <laughs> Take Viagra. <laughs> Pardon? Take a Viagra. What do we need yeah. to kill an animal for? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's not even proven. None of those. None it's of those crazy. Are even How important is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it, it's pretty insane to kill an animal. I I just don't get it. But uh, I you know I'm not a hunter either, so <laughs> it's not on my list. Right. Well, Wait. and these are it's not hunting. Like these are bottle raised babies that have been yeah. captive bred, you know, yeah. and raised by human hands and and have learned to trust humans. And then they're going to be put in a cage and someone's going to walk up and shoot them and they don't even have a place to to run and yeah. hide. That's to me that or that's not even hunting or they're 
farm raised for nothing more than to be shot. That's that's not hunting. No, that's not hunting. That's what, no sport um, whatsoever. You know, yeah, and that's the other thing is that, you know, there's no petting at your facility. They're not pets. Right. And so the non-contact with animals, I mean, I think that's really important stress that you know that you're at a right place if there is no contact. Right, exactly. And that's just, that's not just for their safety. Right. It's, it's for both. It's for the animal safety and for our safety, because if somebody gets hurt, then we, you know, a lot of times that animal has the risk of being put down and we've totally defeated our purpose trying to protect the animal. Yeah. And, you know, doing rescues, you don't know what that animal's been through in the beginning of their life. It's not like you've had it since a baby working with and training that animal. But you so have you don't a, know. Your, your lions from, from the time they were a baby, Bakara and, and his sisters? Yep, they have. But we cut off, you know, the human contact. Like, we just wean them off of it. Because you have to wean the animal off of it, too, because it's all they know, too. Sure. A lot of times. Yeah, you know, when but they're, a mom when would do babies, the same thing but... in the wild, right? They're not going to exactly. really hang out. Exactly. Like bear cubs don't stick with their moms. They become loners, and if they see them again, you know, maybe dad will kill them. They don't know, right? That's how exactly. it is. Exactly, so. and that's one of the reasons that we feed the animals on our visits when people are here because then the animal has the choice if they want to interact with the people or not. So they mm-hmm. don't have to do here. They don't have to do anything they don't want to do. If they want to come up, they come up. If they don't, they don't. Right. And, you know, 90% of the time they come up because they enjoy it too. Yeah. And so people just talk to them? Yeah, you can just talk to them yeah. through the fence or, you know. Yeah. 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 Do you have a favorite? Um, Sitara was actually probably one of my favorites. And Conga, I love Conga and I love Albert. I don't, they're probably my favorites, but I love them all. I love all animals. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and do, who names them? Who gets to name them? It or do they come with names? Or? It, it depends. Like um, the lions were uh, people bid at our fundraiser. Nice. And um, Maverick, we were watching Top Gun when we got the call for Maverick <laughs> in, okay. on Easter Day. So we went up and got him on two o'clock in the morning for U.S. Fish and Wildlife, so we called it Maverick. It just kind of depends. A couple of the volunteers have named, and a lot of them have come with their names. Like yeah. Maddie and Sugar Bear, they came with their names. Blossom and Delilah, they came with their names. Albert. So, all, matter of fact, all of our, most all of our bears have come with their names. What, what happens? Like, what's your legacy for, for your sanctuary? Do you, what plans are in place? And who's going to take over when... You know, God forbid, we all die off, so. Right. Well, there's a lot of contingency plans, you know, including money like life insurance and keep keep persons insurance and things like that. And, you know, right now it's my board would take over and my sister would kind of step into my house and, and right. help and take over. But, you know, my sister's only five years younger than I am, so as we get older, that plan could change, but we definitely stay on top of that one. Because, yeah. you know, the what if something happens to myself, this place has to go on. That's right. Yes. Right. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who, you know, are listening and people that you know already that would be willing to step in and, and do what it takes to keep these animals. There's a lot of animal lovers across North America. That's <laughs> for sure. Um, but you want to make sure it's the right person. So uh, it's really important. I, I, I think it's an amazing 
you know, what you've done. And if you want to visit her website, it's lionstigersandbears.org. Go there and just see what an amazing facility it is. Like you've done a, a beautiful job. Uh, you know, it's these animals are living like they should uh, and, and being well cared for like they should. Because it's I have a really good team. I, we have yeah. such a good team here, and there's so much love. There's so much love for the animals, and that's what makes it work. You know, I met Martine, the guy that works for me, on the corner one day, and oh, yeah. he'd never worked around a big animal, and he's been with me for 13 years now, and he's one of my best keepers, and he loves the animals. So just, you never know. He's lived yep. here almost 13 years now. And if somebody's listening and they go, oh, Bobby, I really, really, really want to work for you or, you know, volunteer there, what what can they do? They can just get online and under the ways to help, there's a volunteer page and fill out the application for the applications for our insurance and then send it in and Alyssa calls and get them out here to volunteer. Well, I'm going to encourage everybody who is listening to A, visit your website, B, you know, somehow become a member be adopt one of the the animals um i think that's a great gift you know i my kids are older they don't need things so i adopt animals for them in their name <laughs> on holidays and stuff like that i just think it's great and for my grandkids too you know what it, it compassion is something that we are having to teach these days it's unfortunate but it's true and that's one way i think that people can do that we've got um we got a minute left i think what what would you like to tell people um, one more time, you know, get on the website, click on the Facebook, like on the Facebook, and when you see us post, share. That's a huge help. Um, and just be careful which organizations that you give to. Look for the accredited ones. There's a reason for accreditation mm-hmm. and the reason, you know, why people are not accredited if you're going to give your money. And, um, you know, just every little bit helps. And thank We're you. We're out of time. That's Bobby Brink. You're listening to Bobby Brink from Lions, Tigers, and Bears.org. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. Thank you. Bye. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Thank you. Bye. She and I, you, she's the one way to turn the world.